Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Ballers, welcome back to Today in Sports Betting. Today is Thursday. What month is this? Hold on, it's all run together. May, it's the May month. May 21st, 2020. You can tell it's been another day of quarantine, another week. It's all just kind of been running together. I'm Devin Ellington at DALE007. This is a hoop. Dashball.com presentation, a part of the Hoop Ball Fantasy and Hoop Ball Tweets family. You can find all that on Twitter. And then, like I said, the fantasy and all-around NBA content on hoop-ball.com. Speaking of, I will be joined by a contributor of ours today. And I've been trying to do this for a little while, but it's been real hard because he's over um, in a completely different part of the world. So I am excited to be able to get this feller back on, and we've done some work in the past together, so it'll be nice to have a familiar face on and to talk about some Pelicans, because he is the con- uh, contributor and cover of the Hootball Pelicans account. So we will be getting into that. And then uh, just a reminder, like I said, this is a Hootball Gaming presentation, at Hootball Gaming on Twitter. And then uh, another reminder about that fundraiser that I am asking for someone to find for me. If you know a charity or fundraiser that there is someone that is uh, working on or has in the works or something that needs some notoriety and some uh, publicity or just to be uh, who wants to talk about the cause that they're trying to uh, do, I would be more than happy to have them on and see what I can do to help out. And maybe if it's in my area, get hands on. That'd be really fun. So let me know about that. And without further ado, I know I've kept him waiting long enough. I've wanted to bring him in, but there is some business up front. So Lyle Swithenbank will be talking now. I'm going to let him take the stage, and I'll do a brief introduction. Lyle, like I said, you cover the Pelicans. We've talked some fantasy basketball in the past. I know that you're savvy on some Australian uh, leagues. So I'll let you take the floor. I don't want to do any disservice to what it is that you uh, can offer and uh, without further ado, Lyle, thanks for coming up today. Well, thanks very much for having me. Um, yeah, it's nice to, to catch up again and, and have a chat. It's been much too long. I know probably the last time we were, we were on a show together was back in the golden days when we were doing the, uh, the premium stuff uh, on, a, on a Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday night, uh, yeah, which yeah. is always great fun. They're still running over there, actually, so that's been um, great to still to still see they're doing their expansion draft a few of the guys um which has been pretty awesome to see what those premium guys are doing um i think i'll be on maybe in a couple of weeks but uh we'll see what happens there um to talk pels i have 
Speaking of the Pels, I have uh, recently taken over the the Hoopball Pels uh, podcast. I've renamed it the Pelican Scoop, which is um, yeah, been great fun to learn about uh, the Pelicans, and they're a pretty exciting team. So um, I've been running that. Um, got a few guys on there. Um, yeah, no doubt I'll have to get you on there for a, for a chat about Pels as well, and do a, a cheeky crossover episode. Um, as well as the Saturday Night Live, which is the live show Q&A on the Hoopball Facebook page. So um, do that every Saturday night from either six or seven, depending on how my Sunday morning's looking, because I'm 13 hours ahead. So um, yeah, no, it's good. And, and we, we chat hoops on there and, and get a, a little bit of a following going there. So um, yeah, if anyone wants to jump on and watch that on your, on your Saturday night, especially in, in quarantine, feel free to do that. And uh, yeah, it's great fun. Yeah, well, I'll say already, you know, sign me up for both of those. Um, Before the season went into the shutdown, the Pelicans actually were one of my favorite teams that I was keeping an eye on. Um, You know, it they were building there for a little while. And Alvin Gentry's always been a coach that I've really enjoyed watching, um, just the way that he coaches. Um, He's been on some really awesome staffs in his career and his basketball knowledge and uh, history runs deep. Uh, he's from, you know, North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. So he's got, you know, these basketball roots in him. I believe he's got coaching in the family. So it's just one of those things that, uh, uh, mixes well and you get a good characteristic based coach and, um, some really good young talent. And I think he's doing a good job co- uh, coaching these guys up and sprinkling in veteran presence also. Absolutely. And at the start of the season, the, the Pels had, I think, seven, new players on the roster that um, obviously gives you a bit of uh, an idea as to why they started a bit slower than uh, probably previously would have um, because there's a whole heap of talent on the time, uh, on the team. We lost Zion in the preseason. So all of a sudden all this hype that had been built about the, the new savior of, uh, of New Orleans, we've sort of lost before, without even seeing what happens. And then when he said he had to have surgery we're then waiting until the middle of January to actually get an idea as to what this guy can do. Um, Alvin Gentry, I thought, did a great job in being able to manage these new personalities, being able to implement his system and get those young guys running um, up and down the court. It's a frenetic pace. I mean, watching, I've watched a lot of the games back now um, in, our, in our free time in quarantine period, and that means that I've had a bit of time to watch basketball, which has been good. So... Seeing that um, that system implemented where it is high tempo, high velocity, moving the ball, it's been great to see the guys improve and, and, and grow together, I guess. Um, and I, I credit that to the coach. as the players, but you also have to credit that coach because he's got to manage all of these players. And, and the guys that haven't played in his system or haven't played together have to adjust and adapt. And, um, yeah, no, it's, it, it, it's a testament to his work. And, I mean, who knows what could have happened if we hadn't have had this hiatus you know they were on a real tear and, and they were yeah. vying for that eighth spot so um it'd be interesting to see if we do get some basketball back whether or not that momentum continues or um yeah or or it just uh, falls away and, and we we leave the west as it yeah. is at the moment asterisk uh yeah, so I um, had actually put a futures bet in on the Pelicans to make the playoffs. So I was actually pulling for them. 
And, um, you know, just a little foreshadowing to one of the questions I was going to ask you here in a little bit was to talk about their playoff push and then some rookie of the year considerations for Zion. But first, you know, I want to backtrack, and this is a shame on me, but I forgot to let the folks know your Twitter handle is at Lyle Swithin Bank, correct? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, and then so, uh, yeah. at Hootball Pels, or is it at Pelican Scoop now? Uh, it's at Hoodball Pels. So that's still right. that. Right. Um, okay. I just announced it as uh, Pelican Scoop when I jump on there. But uh, yeah, at the Hoodball Pels, at Lyle Swithin Bank. Um, yeah, if you can't spell my name, then just look around on Twitter. I'm on there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, just look for the Australian fellow. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> With the, uh, the question that I was going to talk about and, um, you know, we, we hinted at it a little bit as far as to what the league could potentially look like or become in a restart fashion. But, um, you know, when, you know, transitioning here, we, we talked a little briefly off camera and this is a little bit of big news, and it's the NCAA's ruling and proposal that they have a plan and a tentative action set for returning to uh, action on June 1. So, I, uh, and you know, the point that I made, the speculative measure that I cast was the fact that when the NBA shut down, you saw the rest of the leagues follow suit, and Adam Silver really handled it very, very well. And then I uh, was wondering and pondering how the NCAA went ahead and made this decision other than the fact that they're their own governing body of their own adults and whatnot. But the fact that the NBA hasn't announced anything quite yet, but they are uh, opening practice facilities, including the Pelicans that had seven players in there today. Um, you know, it's, I, I, Ooh, I, I think we're that we're really close to the return, uh, Lyle. And, um, if we are, if practice facilities are open and players are working out, do you think they're gearing up and trying to return to play? Like, are they trying to finish this thing out? I mean, from all reports, that seems to be an optimistic, I suppose, approach. And, you know, they're opening it all. I think everyone's coming in and, and getting back in shape in case they uh, do reopen. You know, Adam Silver's come out and said he was going to make an announcement on the season um, between. I think first of June and the middle of June, so two to four weeks, I think, from last week. And if we can get some sort of clarity as to what way they're going to lean, then they're going to come in with a plan and be able to, I suppose, open back up. I guess it's a preemptive thing. If the guys can train, this is still their job, they're still getting paid to be there, um, then they're going to do that. I think they're suffering. I think NBA players are suffering just like any of us, you know. We're, we're lacking that um, that ability to go out and 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 exercise in some cases or go to um, yeah, restaurants or cafes and stuff like that. So I think everyone's sort of returning a bit to normality. And um, for us, I mean, um, in Australia, it's restrictions starting to, to loosen a little bit where I'm going back to my office on, on Monday. So, you know, there's a bit of a change um, ha- having there as opposed to working from home as I have been for the last few months. But um, I suppose it's the same for them. You know, you don't get that full um, workout in, I guess, just based in your, in your driveway, in your house, you know, get back in the practice facilities. I think it's all, in, in conclusion, I guess, I suppose it's all um, an optimistic approach on the basis that, yeah, we will reopen. Otherwise, getting them back in shape and, and getting them back in to see what they look like to maintain that, um, that level of competitiveness and, and um, I suppose, uh, fitness 
in case a season does start or we're looking till next the start of next season. Yeah. I think the guys are just keen to get back into it and play some basketball from all, all the Twitter uh, chatter that goes, is out there. Yeah. I know the NBA draft is a driving force behind this. And another thing that I thought was really uh, a good sign is historically, NBA specifically, when there are disputes and disagreements between the uh, NBA PA and then the, you know, the NBA itself, we as fans or covers or writers, you know, we typically will hear that stuff. And then me personally, I haven't seen a whole lot as far as the labor agreements and then how it's all going to look big picture wise and what the painting is going to be with the return and the revenue share and the player salaries and the, you know, all the messy details that goes into it. And again, I think that speaks volumes to how Adam Silver really, really handles this league. And it was a smooth and seamless baton uh, uh, pass, you know, from Stern to Silver. And I think that that is what um, Stern really was wanting in Adam Silver. Um, And I think you can definitely see the ripple effect of how David Stern operated the league with Adam Silver. Absolutely. And I mean, Adam Silver was thrown straight in the deep end when he joined. You know, we had the, the Donald Sterling stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that was a month in or two months in. I think he took over in the January and that was the, the February or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and he has had to handle some absolute um, killer things. I've talked about this with a couple of my mates, actually. Um, you know, you've got uh, sponsorships on the jerseys. That's something that they could never get yep, across. Yep. Um, the... You know, he's dealing with coronavirus. He's dealing with the Sterling stuff. He had Kobe's the death. He had Stern's death. He had the Rockets with the Chinese. Um, you know... Who are which uh, not wanting to air NBA games as of right now still if they were to return. Exactly, yeah, no. And and that's a huge market for the NBA. And, you know, to be able to navigate all of that. In terms of the um, the relationship with the NBA PA, I think they've done a, a pretty good job. You know, they've... Um, it seems to be fairly transparent. The fact it hasn't hit the media and, and the, the airways, you know, that I think speaks volumes in itself that they've all been able to say, well, this is what we're going to do and treat it like any other workplace. We don't need to get any of these um, media outlets to, to spin stuff. Um, I did see that the first lot of the NBA pay packets of the reduced amounts have come out. So um, there was a, a, an article that came out that Devin Booker had lost about 250 grand based on uh, this pay packet. So yeah. um, I think it was meant to be about 23 to 26% pay cut from what I understand. But again, that was one article based out of um, based out of Phoenix that I, I, I can't verify, but I don't know. But uh, that's gotcha. what, what they said. So. And, you know, I think probably what you'll see is it'll fluctuate, I think, franchise to franchise, depending on, uh, you know, their total plus minus red green dollars. But um, no, it's going to be interesting to see how each franchise and the NBA as a collective unit tries to uh, restart and, you know, figure out the logistics of this whole thing, if that's what they do. But then there's also the, you know, conundrum of figuring out the start of next season and how far do we push it back. An idea and something that I've heard that I really, really, really like, just so we can get from some finality and all of it, is the fact that it's an open and possible idea to just go ahead and let's go ahead and write this one off and then 
We'll go ahead and start next season on Christmas. We'll have the awesome Christmas Day games like we always do. And it's going to be an awesome opening extravaganza. And then not only what that does is it shores up, you know, where we stand for this season, but also that we're also going to get next season started up. And we have a very good uh, concise idea of what that's going to look like. But we also will get the draft and then we'll also be able to move on with that process. And we'll be able to uh, begin our scout breakdown. Well, I mean, they've already begun to you know who's kidding me but um they 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 get scouted for three years but Mm -hmm. what i'm saying is you know profiling essentially you know who's going to fit what franchise what teams are trying to do uh golden state's got all that draft capital they've got that cap money to spend this offseason where we could expedite the offseason process and then by in return we could also go ahead and flatten out the foundation for next season and then by time comes we'll be able to go ahead and just reap what we uh um, decided on and were decisive on as a league uh, a few months prior. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I've seen both the arguments for and against for both. You know, they had the, um, the players come out, um, a few of the big names, LeBron and Giannis and Co. Uh, were all sitting out and they came out and said in a press conference that they wanted to finish the season off. But then going forward, say you start in December. Where do you then bring it back to you can't then just have the next season sort of be the 22 season start, um, you know, in December again? Do you pull it back? So all of a sudden it's this ripple effect because if you start in December, even if you flog them and you do the back-to-back-to-backs like we had in the uh, the lockout shortened season, these guys hated that. And then all of a sudden you finish in June, these guys are absolutely knackered, try to get back to start again in, I suppose, October. Um, you, you're trying to claw back three months' worth of worth of games, even if it is a shortened season. And if they try to play all 82 starting in December, then we're looking at it going into August. And yeah. I just don't think that's enough of an off-season to be able to then start again in October. So sure. whether they drag it back, say they do a, a extra back-to-backs in January and just try to creep it back a week at a time, well, maybe. But I don't think it, if they push it forward um, and start in December, then is that going to then have a ripple effect going forward? And, and I know that they try to um, stagger themselves with the NFL as well so that they right. don't eat into each other's markets. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're in December, that's, that's sort of primetime NFL as well, you know. Um, so, and I guess if the baseball, again, if they start later and they, then everyone's going for that same audience that right. um, perhaps you would share otherwise. So it'll be interesting to see, like you said, red, green dollars, um, that's what, what they've got to weigh up. And, and if it is a, a matter of we're all going to eat from the same pie and we're all going to share the same audiences, well, then maybe that's what happens. But um, one thing I did see um, was that with the, with the proposed hub to finish the season, uh, that they could run it like a summer league and that it would just start at 10 a.m. and they'll run through to 10 p.m. You'll just get games all day. Yeah. Um, I know for me, um, that just means that I've got, two weeks of, of sick leave that I'll have to take off so I can watch um, <laughs> <laughs> basketball all yeah. day. But um, we'll see what happens, yeah. uh, what happens there. But uh, I definitely think they'll have to get some sort of clarity soon because the longer they leave it, the less likely I think that they'll be able to justify finishing this season. Um, if it is a case that we just say, no, we're going to scrap it, then we scrap it and we start on time October when everything, all of this has calmed down, fingers crossed, touch wood. But, um, yeah, I think that, that should be 
I mean, as much as I love basketball, if they did put a, a pin in this year, well, so be it. Let's do it again next year. Yeah, and um, like I said, and like you pointed out also, it, it's going to be an important uh, ripple as far as what leagues do. Like you said, they're all just kind of – I wonder if they're going to be going at each other's throats, if they're all going to try to figure out how they can get back into a, uh ineffective position for where each league was benefiting the other, where it was this kind of symbiosis. Because that's really what they had. They they had their bracketed seasons. They had their markets. And I think the leagues actually did really well to kind of work together to carve out where each one of them belonged. Um, and then not to only not to overshadow some of the other stuff, you know, including NHL and Major League Soccer over here, the smaller, you know, some of the smaller stuff. And I think that that's going to be an important part too. I think you're going to have the leaders of these leagues kind of talking with each other and trying to, you know, figure stuff out too. Be like, well, if you have this and we don't have this, and this is what we've had for the last 10 years. So how do you, you know, what do we, you know, it's just going to be, uh, and not to mention the TV, right? The contracts, holy moly, you know, it's, there's a lot to figure out, but, Luckily for me, there's people that are smarter than I am and get paid more than I do to uh, do these kinds of things uh, for me. So <laughs> I, I don't have to worry too much about them. Absolutely. And yeah, you and me both are <laughs> happy that I can just sit there and wait for it to come back on TV. Yeah. But, um, I know there's a, a whole heap of cash. I know Adam Silver, I think, came out and said that there was a whole heap of revenue that comes from fans actually being in, in the uh, stadiums as well so that's another factor that has to go into it if, i mean it's almost no, a 40 percent slash right away i think is what oh, was uh, put out in that proposal or whatever he, he he made sure to highlight and uh make sure that the players were aware of how how much the fans revenue actually was yeah well i mean segue to the australian nbl we've got one of our teams in liquidation at the moment um, oh wow pu- pu- yeah so um because of the and that was the one that Draft or brought Lamelo Ball out, the Illawarra Hawks. So they're currently in some real financial trouble, um, and had been for a while. Lamelo was sort of be the saviour. But then, if we were to do another NBL season and we can't do fans, that's like a huge. I don't even have a TV rights deal. So right. for us, like it, it just doesn't justify. You just couldn't do it. Do you know what I mean? Like you'd lose too much money um, to even hire the stadium to be able to to play in it. So you know. I think in the NBA, people need to... I mean, it's all well and good to get something out there and, okay, we're going to play some version of basketball. But at the end of the day, it's a business. People are spending money on this and, and a lot of money. Um, if, they're not, if they don't think it's financially responsible to be able to do it, I don't think they'll do it. I think they'll just say, no, nah, scrap it. We'll just put a pin in 2020 and we'll come back next year. Right, right. Um, you know, we've been speaking of an abundance on you know generalities right here but one thing i want to try to pinpoint on and be specific with is talk to you you know more so about the pelicans because that is you know that's who the team that you do cover so you know let's go back to before the season had been um and this is that foreshadowing guys the for the listeners you know this is what i was talking about wink wink nudge nudge and so uh the pels playoff push and zion's rookie of the year chances 
Memphis was starting to slip. Memphis was kind of faltering. They were losing some guys. Uh, JJJ was out multiple times. They had just lost um, a key, another key component to their team, and it's blinking me right now, but it's, he's a heavy rotational piece. Um, and, you know, um, Jean Morant, uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, just one ankle tweak away from missing, you know, four games and Zion doing unbelievable things, um, you know, can make up that shortcoming. I think given the rest of the season being played out, just the viewers' eyes and what they wanted to ha- want have happen, I think Zion would have won Rookie of the Year. I think mm. he would have. I mean, having a look at his stats, and I mean, we got we got 19 games out of him, um, as opposed to Jamal Moran basically playing the whole um, the whole season out. So it's so difficult to be able to, I suppose, extrapolate to there because I just don't know once. Zion got into game shape. I mean, we watched him play 19 games. I don't think he was anywhere close to his final form. Exactly. Um, you know, yeah, so yeah. if he had maybe that last tear of 18 games, he just cut, he absolutely goes, cut sick, you know, and, and, and dominates, which he was looking like he was on the verge of. Um, perhaps he could have. And because it's all voted by, I think it's the media for the most part, um, you know, perhaps that buzz does get him across the line. But at the same time, I don't think we can discount how good Ja Morant was. He was phenomenal. Guard, running a team that was meant to be a, a bottom dweller. Like, right. All of these young guys, they got rid of Mike Conley, uh, all the other, well, Marcus All was gone as well. Iguodala. Yeah, they had that whole debacle as well. Um, Which, hey, I'm going to be I'm gonna be talking Grizzlies tomorrow. I just realized I'm going to have Dave uh, Williams on from Hootball uh Grizz, uh, and uh, yeah, man, I'm going to get to talk two uh, Southwest Division teams in a row. I'm liking this. I'm liking this. Best division there is. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> it's fun. Um, it's yes, exciting. It's, and I actually think I like this Pelicans team way more than I did at, with any team that was ever, mm-hmm. including Anthony Davis. And I, the reason why it's so easy for me is because of Drew Holiday. Um, because he was my favorite component of their teams when Anthony Davis was there. And I think he's been huge for these young guys, especially for Lonzo Ball. Um, I I think that the uh, coaching and some of this veteran presence, you know, even like guys like Etwan Moore, um, uh, one of my favorite Purdue guys, um, you know, he's on this team. He's got a nice six-man type uh, uh, role carved out. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and then just to go further upon my inclination on why I thought Zion would get that Rookie of the Year honor, was I thought the Pelicans were actually going to push in and make that playoff push. They were going to get the eight seed. And if they did, they were either going to have to take out Memphis or another divisional foe in the or the Mavs. And the Mavs were kind of slipping, as much as I hate to say it, being a Mavs fan, <laughs> but they, they were slipping. Um, the team that kind of looked similar to them, the Suns, you know, they fizzled out completely. So, yeah, I think uh, the Pelicans were set up in a pretty good spot. Uh, the Spurs could always catch on at any moment. But, again, divisional foe. If they did overcome that hurdle, that makes it even more impressive. So that, that was my thinking on it. I thought it was going to be a two-for-one, you know, them getting in the playoffs and him getting that Rookie of the Year honor. Yeah, and – Looking at the schedules going forward, um, it 
I think Memphis has one of the toughest schedules for the yeah. final 18 yeah. games, whereas Pelicans were not too bad. I think they faced Memphis twice, actually. So it might have actually came down to them playing each other that would have made them jump in. And I think that's something that I think with three games out behind Memphis, um, to make that up in 18 games, well, it, it's very possible based on, one, the injuries, two, Zion's development and this team cohesion. Uh, I was talking uh, on Hoopball Pels uh, uh, the last week, I think, um, about uh, how good their lineups were when you had Lonzo, uh, Drew, Zion, uh, I think it was Favors and JJ Redick, or Brandon Ingram, I think, um, as the starting five. And it was astronomical at how good they were playing as that um, five unit on the court. Well, what, they had an eight or nine game win streak, right? I mean, exactly. They, yes. they just like, a, rattled off yeah. like, you know, seven. In, their offense was just like, and it was when Derek Favors came back after all those yeah. back issues finally. Well, and then, of course, uh, unfortunately, you know, for him, the, the passing mm-hmm. of his mother, it was just all like kind of right in there. But once he was able to get on the court and, like, stay out there, oh, my goodness, that, that whole team. And then the energy that they were getting from uh, Braxton Hayes. Uh, or, I'm sorry. Um, Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes, thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I really liked watching that kid when uh, Derek Favors was out because that guy was just from end to end uh and sometimes maybe at the detriment to himself because he was just so energetic and electric but uh it was definitely fun to watch absolutely and, and to see those young guys take that step as well that was pretty awesome you know he's only drafted i think he was number eight draft pick in the off season um to see a guy that's all of a sudden been forced into a starting role um when really he was seen as a bit of a project. They're like, this guy could be phenomenal. He's just got to learn how to play basketball. He's an absolute athlete. But well, he was uh, 19 or 20. He, he, was, yeah. he was a baby. He only played one year at Texas. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so to get him in there and then to then learn from Derek Favors. Derek, like, Derek Favors, I can't sing his, his praises enough at how important he is for that team. He is an absolute anchor. He doesn't look like the sort of guy on paper that you would need in, in that team because you want to open the lane up for Zion and guys like that. Um, Brandon Ingram to be able to drive as well. But it just worked. He seemed to be able to spread the floor enough that there was room in the lane as well as lock down defensively. So yeah. for a guy that size who knows his role, knows what he has to do, you're only getting 25 minutes out of him a game. But those 25 minutes were the difference between getting blown out and, and winning and, and going on these massive tears of plus 120 <laughs> right. when you're on the court, you know? Um, so, yeah, Derek Favors. You, uh, you think about it, you know, there's times where he had multiple blocks up there in a span of, you know, just, you know, 10 minutes. You know, he'd get like three of them or, you know, and it's, that's six points automatically right there he turned back around. Absolutely. So. And you can't discount it. And on the offensive end as well, there was a game, it was earlier on in the season, I think it might have been game three or four, and we started uh, – might have been against the Mavs, actually. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. uh, sat there posting up, and they just went to him five uh-huh. times in a row, and he just got buckets. And you're yeah. sitting there going, this is Derek Favors is saying. Um, and so to be able to have that um, both of two-way sort of abilities, um, I think the older head, I mean, older head, I think he's, what, 28 or something? 28, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost so, 30. That's, that's NBA old, I guess. Yeah. yeah Don't well, tell that to Vince Carter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, um, you know, for that 
uh, that, those abilities for him to be able to, um, I suppose, lock in and be able to show these young guys that, hey, we don't need to always play at 100% and launch threes. You can do a half-course set. I think that's yeah. an important adjustment that we, we got used to as the season went on. The, uh, you know, the guys that we even haven't even talked about, like uh, Nicola Melli, uh, you know, Josh Hart, you know, the, those two guys even are just going to be able to develop. I could picture in the next couple of years, Nicola Melli being a real nice poor man's JJ Redick hitting the shots that he needs to coming in, getting maybe like, you know, 14 minutes a game and being crucial in certain possessions and hitting some, you know, threes, maybe getting, you know, eight, 10 points. He's a good free throw shooter. Um, so, you know, if they choose to develop him over the next couple of years, he could turn out to be a real nice, you know, sharp shooting piece. I've seen him actually run the offense and run some sets for the offense, and it looked pretty interesting. So, you know, they, they got some young core uh, starting, and they got young core depth. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be important to maybe add another veteran presence, just, you know, to make sure to sprinkle in a nice balance of that. But this Pelicans team – in the next five years, I think they're set up pretty well. I think it's one of the most exciting times to be a Pelicans fan, I think, for years. Um, you know, Anthony Davis, phenomenal talent. We can't ever discount what he did for that franchise. They were a team in, in dire straits for a while, then they rebranded. Anthony Davis was drafted, or was there, and he was sort of the face of that, that rebrand. Um, but at the same time, the way it ended was a little bit sour grapes. You know, you had right. the That's All folks uh, t-shirt and, and they were playing him 20 minutes a game so they wouldn't get fined. He could get yeah. to 25 minutes and exactly get off. You're not playing anymore just so that the team wouldn't get fined. And I think that was such a, a sad way for it to end when you've got a guy that was the face of the city. You know, he was, he was phenomenal. Yeah. And then to lose him and then all of a sudden wins Zion straight away, you're like, well, AD who? We've got this guy, <laughs> we've got this guy now. Um, They're saying he's the next LeBron James. So, I mean, like, yeah, like we'll take him. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I was talking to uh, Andrew Lopez of ESPN on my show um, this week's episode and he talked about um, if you've got these generational talents, you know, there's probably only three or four of them in – the league at the moment, and, and you've got one of them, all of a sudden, your life gets a whole heap easier. You discover what Brandon Ingram actually is, and it, it's like Kevin Durant light. Um, so you're pretty happy with that. He's learned how to shoot from well, outside. It's, it's, all, it, it's so crazy. You can see how much of it's just purely confidence. Yeah, He had no confidence in LA because of what was around him, what he knew. You know, he saw the gallows he, and the guillotine. You know, it was like that. That was like presented with him and then even when it wasn't there the couple of years before that or the year before that for that young core they ain't they didn't have no guidance they didn't have no uh you know that that team was uh from the front office down that lakers team was pretty rough that year absolutely and and you can see it from all their jumps you know you've got josh hart who just throws himself into the crowd or on the ground right, like every right. possession you've yeah. got um yeah Brandon Ingram was a guy that came down. Lonzo Ball, even. Never look at him from so December. So much confidence, yeah. He was like a top five point guard in the league near yeah. with his production um, after December when Derek Favors came back. So to be able to see that development purely because you don't have, yeah, like you said, the guillotine sitting over your head, um, waiting for the axe to drop so that you get traded for Anthony Davis, 
you know, it, it makes a lot of a lot of sense and, and that their confidence would be restored, that the new change of scenery, and we've seen it time and time again throughout NBA history when players change teams and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I didn't know we could do that. Yeah. Um, so very exciting team to be a Pels fan. Everyone's 24 and under besides Derek Favors, Reddick and Etuan Moore, or Uncle yeah. E as they call him, as I've been yeah. told. Um, so he, he plays old man ball, that's for sure. Uh, he, 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 uh, he's just all about those fundamentals. He's, you need he's some old heads in the locker room. Yeah. You, you have to have them. Um, you know, if, and if, I, I can't believe we didn't even talk about JJ Reddick until now, until you brought his name up. I can't believe I didn't bring his name up. Yeah. That that's, I mean, that's just another great component there. Absolutely. And he's the sort of player that I think his whole career, he'd never missed the playoffs. It, yeah. Said yeah. Famously before the, uh, the season to Zion, don't stuff this up for me. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then Zion got injured. So he scratched his head a bit, but yeah, to be yeah. able to, uh, have a guy like that with that knowledge, with that winning uh, mentality. I think it's so invaluable and I think it's so underrated around the league to have winners in your locker room. They say, well, this is how we did it here. This is how we did it there. Um, you want to be successful, you've got to work hard. And um, that's something that I think he brings. And they both, came, and they both came from Duke too. They had that little connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah, he is a... Um, He's a great player and, and hopefully he sticks around and, and continues to mentor, the, mentor these young guys because it's just going to make uh, Lonzo better. It's just going to make even Drew better, even though he's pretty established player as it is. Uh, Josh Hart, even Frank Jackson, all of these young guys that are sitting there on the bench learning. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, these guys are just picking the brains of some guy that's been around the league for years and knows how to win. And you want to build a winning culture, bring winners in. Well, and then those little... Uh, ins and outs, you know, those guys, you know, like say on just little post up, uh, you know, like, uh, momentum creators or like pinching, mm. you know, you know, just kind of getting off somewhere on the hip or something you know, like just little, you know, uh, pressure points or how to work an elbow, uh, a specific yeah. part of the elbow, uh, you know, even uh, like the elbow on the court. Um, yeah. but you know, just, tiny tiny little stuff like something that you can do with your eyes as you're in the post and trying to maybe pass out or find a guy cutting down the middle you know so you don't sell it just the it, like you said invaluable things just those little things just like what to do on a baseline set i could go on forever and ever but just these little things uh that make you know those big you know those fast break buckets big those inbounding plays big the execution uh, down in you know last four seconds of a shot clock big just you know those kinds of things uh, those will win you so many games. I, I swear it. You know, uh, a team could either lose or win 12 games based off just those little things throughout the season easily. And that's probably a low number. Yeah, for sure. And to see these guys interact with the older players and, and learn, and it is, you're exactly right. It's those nuances that you don't pick up unless you, you're told about them. And even you might have learned it all the way through your basketball career. Okay, well, this is how you come off off a screen to open yourself up. JJ Reddick's been doing this for what, 15 years, if not like longer all the way through. This is how he gets open. And that's why he hits so, so many open shots because he works so hard off the ball. And I think um, if you're not showing how to get yourself open, you're never going to be able to do it because you're just going to keep trying to fight three guys three times your size. Right. So I think it's um, an important uh, lesson 
that he can he can give to these young guys to be able to get open. Another guy in the keel, Alexander Walker, yes, uh, from yeah. all reports, has just been uh, following him around um, yeah. and learning. Like a, a Andrew Lopez, I spoke to, was saying mm-hmm. that he's taken him under his wing, and, and this guy is just like a sponge. He's just sitting there, just learning from JJ. So if we see a big jump from him, even better. He's yeah. another guy that has a really high upside. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up the JJ stuff, you know, the uh, getting open through a screen and whatnot, because uh, what I think it's pretty synonymous to is the fact of how he also defends through screens and how he's one of the yeah. best guards at getting through screens and getting around them or, you know, just uh, running a two-man uh, defensive game with it as well, you know, positioning himself to not catch his off or his uh, teammate off guard and, you know, maybe have them stumble in a bad position. He's really good about that and, like, remaining balanced all the way through any kind of screen, offense or defensively. I think, again, just another one of those invaluable and tangible pieces of uh, hard work and winning. Absolutely, and you can't teach that. And to see them actively play a role in improving these guys, I just think it's it's just phenomenal. And these are the guys that have come before and they're teaching the next generation. This is what's going to keep us entertained is that our basketball quality is better because these guys have said, this is how you do it. And Lonzo uh, surprised me this year as to how good at pass anticipation he is. I know in my head, I'm like, well, he's really good at making passes. You think he'd be really good at reading where they're going to go. So he picked off some steals like they were going to him at some point because he just read the ball so well. And I think that comes down in part because you're learning from guys like JJ who do this night in, night out for the past 15 years. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we probably wouldn't be shocked if in the next five years we see Nikhil Alexander-Walker starting and then saying, oh, wow, he came off that screen a lot like JJ Reddick. Oh, right, they were teammates for two years before he, uh, you know, retired and moved on or whatever. But, yeah, so anywho – Hey, Lyle, I wanted to uh, transition towards the latter part of the show and just kind of now give you kind of a point here to just uh, maybe uh, grace us with something that you are going to be working on next week, maybe written or recorded piece or, you know, if there's a certain storyline that you're following or just, you know, educate us about something that's uh, maybe prevalent and going on over um, in Australia um, over there. So go for it. Yeah, well, so what I've been working on, we've got um, a few more interviews lined up for the Pelicans scoop. So um, a couple of guys from the Bourbon Street Shots will be on in the coming episodes. Um, we're still running the history, basketball history, the basketball and New, uh, history of New Orleans uh, mm. storyline that I've been doing as well. We've diverted for a couple of episodes, but I've got one in the works from a guy that absolutely knows all there is about Pistol Pete Maravich. So spoilers, oh, but that's coming as well. So we're I excited. Locked in on that one. That's going to be, yeah, so, that's it for me. That's good. So that's coming. Um, yeah, no touch of wood. That interview will be this week. So um, I'm very excited about that. Um, I won't spoil who it's going to be, but um, we'll get them in there. And uh, we've got Saturday Night Live. So that's still running uh, weekly. Um, and that's been good fun. We just uh, talk about the NBA news and, and, uh, breaking down the fantasy rankings for this year. So uh, I started at one based on nine cat season averages and we just worked our way through what we think they're going to be next year, what we think they're, um, uh, what they could have been in the rest of this season, high upside guys, stuff like that, where you could draft them perhaps. So we've been doing a bit of a spin in that uh, side of things. 
in Australia, well, we're starting to open back up uh, from all the coronavirus stuff. So we've got sport coming soon. Um, community sport is starting back up in a non-contact sort of uh, way. So that's exciting to be able to get outside and get some uh, some fresh air and, and catch up with your friends uh, from 1.5 metres away. So that'll be that'll be good with all the social distancing and everything. So yeah, yeah. Um, we're excited for that. Professional sports coming back. I think the rugby league comes back uh, 28th of May. The AFL, Aussie Rules Football starts the 11th of June. So at least we'll have something on TV. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the major league, uh, the major media providers, Channel 7, is <laughs> trying out putting um, canned uh, crowd noises onto over the top. So dubbing crowd noises over the top of the empty stadiums. <laughs> so that'll be interesting to listen to. Yeah. There's, there's some stuff on Twitter about, uh, with that. So... If you want to see guys kicking a goal and then not having anyone yell, or no one there to yell, but yelling happening, well, that's that's on there. So pretty interesting <laughs> yeah. to see, but these are the times we're in. But, uh, yeah, been an adjustment. When the Australian Football League starts back up, I might need to pick your brain on some teams and Absolutely. some trends or maybe uh, offensive numbers or defensive numbers I can exploit and see if I can't hit on some over-unders or uh, some team totals. Absolutely. I, I think I'd be more than happy to do that. I think we'll have to we'll have to tee that up absolutely and, um, and help you with some AFL betting because uh, that'll be the only one of the only sports along with your uh, your KBO and your, and your Bundesliga that uh, that's running. So uh, right, right, right. It'd be good to get that going, and it'd be good to see the uh, the AFL get a bit of international notoriety again. We did for one weekend, and then it sort of stopped. But uh, yeah, it's good to good to get a, an international crowd watching that and um, and see why we all love it. I actually prefer it over regular rugby. Um, I had some, uh, some, uh, someone introduce me to it while uh, my time in the army as a sergeant of mine. And he, uh, he, 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 he really loved soccer. You know, um, he was a Hispanic fellow and yeah. he, he just asked me, he's like, have you ever watched Australian rules football? I said, what? He said, all right, cool. We're going to watch it. We were on a 24 hour duty, uh, like, uh, security, detail thingy-majig for like a building on post and so we stayed up through the wee hours just watching Aussie rules football and I got addicted to it so uh (laughs) that's how that goes (laughs) it's a bit like that and um, yeah yeah, I mean it's it's a great sport and it's one of those ones that's similar to basketball in that it's end-to-end there's not yeah um, yeah yeah and and I think well if you have a look at any of the Aussie rules um or the AFL adverts throughout this uh throughout the years they actually try to mimic the nba ones so mm. there's a funny one if you ever look at the uh um 2010 nba season pre-season espn i think and the australian rules 2011 season uh, it's identical in the adverts so oh, we try nice. to mimic the nba a little bit but uh, <laughs> it's, it's good fun well i find it enjoyable and uh as do i find enjoyable the work that that you do for the pelicans uh Twitter and um, the podcast, the Pelican Scoop. Um, I appreciate yeah, that. you you you've put out some really good fantasy content. And these interviews that you've been doing have been killing it. I like you said that Pistol Pete Maravich piece is going to be wow. Say that five times. Five. Pistol Pete Maravich <laughs> piece uh, is going to be really awesome. He's always been one of my favorite players. I grew up in Oklahoma. I'm an Oklahoma State fan. And so our mascot's Pistol Pete. And uh, I remember being a kid thinking that they were like kind of synonymous or something, but not at all. But any, anyways, I'm rambling now. He's a, he's a great basketball player and I love him. And he went 
uh, far too early in life. Uh, so uh, if you've never watched any of his highlights out there, kids, I'm not sure what 14-year-olds are listening to this. Um, but, it, you know, if you're out there, Pistol Pete Maravich, look him up. The black and white stuff's the best. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to talk uh, talk about with um, with my guest, and and I'll lock that in this week. He, he messaged me this morning, so hopefully we can get that uh, all locked away, and and that'll be in in the coming weeks as I work through the uh, basketball history of New Orleans. But uh, very very exciting. Yeah, it's very awesome and historical. Uh, it's obviously got that heavy jazz component in the back, yeah. you know. Um, it's just, it, it's a real nice chunk of, uh, culture, um, down there and you can see it reflected within their sports teams and the, uh, basketball team, I think being maybe the front runner of that. So, well, Lyle, I, uh, without, you know, being too much more long winded, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up for you and I, I appreciated every bit of this and really enjoyed having you on. And we'll definitely get some AFL stuff rolled together when they open back up play. And we'll have you back on. Um, I look forward to it. And uh, don't be a stranger. No, I'm loving what you guys are doing here. And I appreciate you, you having me on here. Um, yeah, no, it's been great. And definitely we'll tee up some AFL and we can watch some games. That'd be good. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks, Lyle. I will speak with you soon, bud. And to the listeners out there, I will see you on the next one. Again, I'm at D-A-L-E-007 on Twitter, at Hootball Gaming, at Hootball Pels, at Hootball Fantasy, at Hootball Tweets. That about covers it. You'll find the rest from there. And then, uh, yeah, stay tuned. We got some good stuff collectively and singularly going on through this family of content. So, With that, I bid you adieu, Hootballers. I'll talk to you next time. Take care. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.